0: Peter, welcome to the Jaipur Bites podcast. We are here at the Diggy Palace on the last day of the Jaipur Literature Festival 2020. We've been seeing each other all week. Yeah. We we met on day one. Right. At the the inaugural party. Right. I just want to first welcome you to Jaipur, to the festival, and then tell me what it's been like these last five days for you. What have you experienced that... Uh, that you weren't expecting or something that that just really uh, made you feel like you were part of the other literary creatives around you what's what's what you been know I like?
1: came here with no expectations whatsoever uh, I I did have a I have a sister who comes here uh, frequently and she had told me it, you know it is the greatest lit fest in the world so I, I was slightly prejudiced in favor of the festival, more than slightly, I might say, but I, I could never have imagined what it was like, because of the the setup of the Diggy Palace. You walk from venue to venue to venue, and it's like going to a series of TED talks. Yeah, it's true. You, you're you're listening to some of the greatest minds in the world, and and then there's also novelists, and you're hearing about new books being released and. Uh, but it's not just the speakers; it's the people you run into mm-hmm. uh, every single day. I was I was meeting new people who were telling me about what they were speaking about, and I would go to their events, and I was learning things. I was I was introduced to topics I didn't even know existed. Right. So it it's extraordinary. I, I just. I can't say enough about it and and just to see all these people who are actually interested in yeah. books, in thinking, in in new perspectives, it's I, I can't imagine anywhere else on earth where you encounter this.
0: You I don't know if they told you the numbers yet, but it's over 400,000 over the four day over the five days.
1: Well, it certainly seemed like they were all here yesterday. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yes, Yeah, yesterday was it was a public holiday, and yeah. the festival is free for students. It's free for actually the almost the first hundred thousand that that sign up, but yeah, there, it's always free for students, and it's it's always the one part that I'm always uh, fascinated by, is. How much they already know about the topic uh, that yeah. the session they're attending. Yes. They'll, they'll know authors that I've never heard of, and it's part of my job to know many of the authors yes. <laughs> here. So, tell me about. Um, we'll talk about your book in in a minute. No, but, but tell me about your the session that that you were. There was a session about you, right? And about your book, besides the context of the book itself. Tell me what it was like to be on stage and have this audience and and this this environment. Well, you
1: you look. You, you're on stage and there's this sea of people and the, I was in a venue called a Mughal tent mm-hmm. and I don't I'm sure some people were there just to sit down and get out of the heat but it was <laughs> it was packed yeah and uh, I, I don't have a fear of speaking uh, before crowds because really I just focus on what it is I'm trying to say mm-hmm. and it could be ten people or it could be a few hundred but it was it was wonderful to see so many people there. And fortunately, I had gone to the same venue the day before, and I saw Nicholas Coleridge speak, mm. who was talking about his new book, which deals with the Condé Nast empire. And during <laughs> Coleridge's uh, presentation, he said he had a, a there was an Indian moment when all the electricity went out. Ah. Yes. Uh, and he had to get out of his chair. The mic was no longer working, and he went to the edge of the stage and he spoke extemporaneously without a <laughs> mic, and it was electrifying.
0: Oh, that's It amazing. really
1: improved the presentation. And when the the mic came back on a few minutes later, he still remained at the edge of the stage. And mm-hmm. so when I gave my presentation, I took a note out of this book and I during the, the passages that I read from my book, I stood up yeah. and I did my Charles Dickens. I acted out <laughs> the various characters. I didn't have it memorized, yeah. but I was able to, to give a more dramatic reading of the material right. rather than just sitting in the chair. And I enjoyed it more, and I think the, the audience really responded well yeah. to it.
0: So I do want to talk about your book now because you you were kind enough to give me a copy and I've I've started reading it. <laughs> it's called Billy the Kid. Billy brackets the. Billy kid. bracket yeah Billy, open bracket the kid close bracket. That's right. Uh, by Peter Meach. It's available everywhere on bookstores uh, on Amazon and all bookstores. Uh, I want to start with actually the beginning of as soon as you flip the page, you start with a dedication to your mom and yes. you say that. She is from the city where where the story is set, and you said she loved the West. So tell me, because our parents are the first people who introduce us to stories. Yes. So tell me, what was it about your mom that that made you want to not only dedicate the book to her, but what was it about the world of storytelling that she introduced you to?
1: Really good question. Well, first of all, her family goes back. My mother was the fifth generation. born in Colorado mm-hmm. so her family goes back to when before it was a state when it was still a territory and and they had a ranch and there are stories for instance one very quickly where uh, the men had gone out uh, to inspect the cattle and the ranch house was surrounded by a band of uh, Ute Indians mm-hmm. and the women there's, there's two variations of the story, but the women uh, had to put hats on their heads and pretend they were men and, and fire rifles out and, and, and the Indians went away. So that was an early story uh, that happened, but there are many more like it. I grew up loving Indians, but they, <laughs> they, uh, but my, that, that relative of mine, of course, was always fearing their safety. But so, so my mother was steeped in the lore mm-hmm. of, of, early, of early Colorado history. But specifically regarding the book, and I, I mentioned this story in my presentation, so I won't do a complete recitation of that, but there was a gentleman who showed up at the house in Pueblo, Colorado in the early 30s, knocked on the door, said to my grandmother, uh, I'd like to rent a room mm-hmm. for the weekend they're preparing my room at the Congress Hotel and uh, there's no place for me to stay. And she said, this is not a boarding house. Yeah. And he said, yes, but maybe, you know, if I could possibly stay here just for the weekend. So she said, okay. And flash forward 20 years, he was still living there. And they said, Do you want to come to Denver with the family because we're moving? And he said, no, I think my room's ready now at the Congress Hotel. <laughs> but during the 20 years he was there, my mother... Uh, Learned from him that he had been a gunslinger in mm-hmm. his youth and he had the two six shooters to prove it, and they were the same kinds of guns, Colt double action thunderers that Billy the Kid had used. Mm-hmm. And in my story, we have a former outlaw or someone who claims he was a former outlaw because my the hero of my novel is the classic unreliable narrator, someone who claims he was once Billy the Kid and is now a dentist, mm-hmm. is actually now a retired dentist. And so the, the the whole mystery of the novel is is he who he claims to be, or is he just does he have an overactive imagination? Mm-hmm. And then we get involved in the bootleg war, and the depression, and, and many of the the signal moments in the book are uh, resonate with. The sorts of things that are happening now: homelessness, uh, violence among—in that case, not drug gangs, but but bootleggers, and uh, uh, strange climate changes. There was the Dust Bowl, mm-hmm. and then there was a plague of grass. I mean, all the sort of stuff you can see. I, I was in my hotel room yesterday, and I'm reading about a plague of locusts settling mm-hmm. in different parts of Africa mm-hmm. and I'm thinking my god that's in my book yeah. so there there's so many uh,
0: resonances between the 1932 and uh, 2020 so I want to give uh, the audience and myself a little bit of context about not just Billy the kid but basically the time period he's he's, he's from because people have seen movies about the West and it is it is in cinema it is People also consider it to be part of the thing that made American movies a thing was was really great uh, cinema that was set in, in, in the West. And there's a certain sort of um, nostalgia that gets created every time a, a Western's made that we want to talk about that time. So given that your, your character is existing in a world where Billy the Kid is a legend, And he, we don't know at the beginning of the book if he claims he is Billy the Kid, but we don't know if he is. Given that you're also a filmmaker, this is a long question, but the answer, I know you'll get the answer.
1: I'm taking notes.
0: Yes. I want to talk about the idea of legend versus story. Right. Because as as a writer, as a filmmaker, you have to focus on the story. But you are talking about a legend. Yes. How do you figure out at what part what part is for the legend to set that up to pay pay homage to to be nostalgic and then what part is where the story comes in where the technique comes in and yes. where the where the audience comes in and you know it's it's a really great question when you write an
1: alternative history in my experience you have to know both the legend the real story and then the story of your character. Now, there are some writers who don't do this and they and they and they're very successful. Uh, Larry McMurtry wrote a book called Anything for Billy and he just made up Billy the kid almost out of whole cloth and it's it's a fantastic book, very very different from mine. Larry actually uh, wrote a wonderful blurb for my book but it wasn't ready for publication, so it'll come out later. But before I delve further into that subject, I want to tell you why I wanted to present this, launch this book at the Jaipur Festival because mm-hmm. it, it, it relates to your question because Rajasthan is known as the Wild West mm-hmm. of India. And there are similarities to what go what has happened in Rajasthan to, to what happened in the Wild West of, and also India as a whole, The history of of Indian spiritualism is about the fight of of light and and darkness. And this is what I deal with, with my mythologizing of Billy the Kid. Mm -hmm. He's not, it's, you know, the elevator pitch is what we just talked about. But the novel delves deeply into the psychology of this man who not only claims he was once Billy the Kid, but who claims that violence is no longer in him. Mm-hmm. And it the novel explores how someone who's had a very dark past might actually now live in the light. And after my presentation uh, yesterday, The Mughal Tent, I had a number of people come up to me and talk to me about their their dark past, mm-hmm. their dark history. And this is how uh, fiction can actually change lives. And, yeah. and they, they were very pleased to hear that my fictional character, Billy, had stepped into the light. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting back to your... What was your original question now that the I'm straight so far? The legend
0: versus story. As, as a writer, how do you deal with figuring out, this is where I want to treat the legend with the respect it deserves? but then I also want to tell a story that is mine, that has my signature. That's
1: right. So what we do in the novel uh, is, I'm, I'm speaking, right, I said what we do because I'm working with Billy, the character now, because yeah, yeah. Billy Billy tells me Billy's what a I, collaborator. <laughs> Billy, Billy needs a byline, yeah. yeah. Uh, is... we the, the novel moves between the legendary aspect of Billy the Kid, and that is covered with uh, ongoing dialogues with a couple of characters who are called the spitters. Mm -hmm. And there was, in fact, a spit and argue club in Pueblo, Colorado, that was basically a ledge uh, along the the side of the Thatcher bank, and and a quorum was two people, and you you chew tobacco and you spat at a tree. And when Billy joins this group, which he does uh, on occasion, they always egg him into talking about his past. Mm -hmm. So that's where we cover the legendary past. And we also examine the reaction of these characters, because they're they're always egging him on to tell the same stories. Mm -hmm. And they delight in these stories, and you can also... Tell by their reactions that they don't believe in these stories, right. but they like to hear them regardless because we all like to hear stories. And Billy goes along with it, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so that's how we deal with the legend. And then the 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 real uh, or sort of the character of Billy is is defined in present tense, present tense meaning 1932 by the relationships he has with all the other townsfolk.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, we've had enough of your time. we are still never enough the festivals <laughs> still going on so I do want both of us to be able to enjoy the rest of the festival. The book we've teased it enough is called Billy Racket's the Kid by Peter Meech. It's on Amazon. It's available on all bookstores and Peter, thank you again for, for being a part of the festival and for doing this podcast. Thank with you Alex, that was wonderful. Thank you for listening to Jepper Bytes. If you like this episode, please subscribe to our show on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this. Jaipur Bites is a Launchora production. Producers of Story Talking with Laksh, The Visionary Podcast, Jazz India Circuit Podcast, Poetry Darbar, and most recently, Lay Me Life. All our shows are available on all major podcast apps. Once again, I'm your host, Laksh Data, and thank you for listening.